Back here on Sports Talk Chicago, John Glor, John Meadows here with you. John Meadows in the producer and director chair here today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We are live on all our great affiliates across the Chicagoland area. City's 92.9 FM. We're out with them 6 to 7 p.m. Saturday evenings. If you're down in Bloomington Normal, highly suggest you check them out. Big thank you to Cat Peterson for putting us on the air. Uh, WJOB AM 1230, Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland. Thursdays 5 to 6 p.m. Big thank you to Sam Michael over there. We're also on ACTV, Aurora Community Access Television throughout the day, and Jet TV over in Northwest Indiana. You can find us all over the place on YouTube and social media, all at Sports Talk Chicago. We'd appreciate a like, thumbs up on this video, and also a subscription as we hurdle towards 20,000 subscribers. Uh, we love all you guys, and we are so grateful for your support. So many people coming out and supporting us these past couple of weeks, especially with this Bears turmoil. And uh, we're here for all of it, good, bad, and ugly. And we're so glad you're joining us here today. Something that we kind of overlooked with all this Bears chaos, and kind of rightfully so, but not really, is the fact that the Major League Baseball season's over. Now, we thought for a number of weeks that the Cubs would be in the playoffs. They had the wild card spot anchored down. They were as close as one and a half games behind the Brewers for the NL Central Division crown. But as we sit here today, it's October, the Cubs are sitting at home. They went 83-79. They staged, frankly, although it's not going to be talked about as such because this team wasn't expected to do much, one of the biggest collapses in team history. They went 11-17. 11-17 in September. And now they find themselves not a playoff spot. Jed Hoyer had a press conference this week and defended David Ross, surprisingly, saying that he's still going to be our manager. He's coming back for a fifth year, which I firmly disagree with. And this Cubs team's left wondering what went wrong. Now, there were a lot of positives, which we have talked about a number of times on this program. I want to give people their due. Nico Horner had an awesome season and actually led the Cubs in war, if you could believe that. I'm not a big proponent of it, but something to consider. Dansby Swanson did okay, but end of the year hitting 244, which was about right. I'm going to roast him in a minute. Cody Bellinger, MVP type year, probably going to leave in free agency. Ian Happ hit 248. Sam Suzuki came on late, and even Christopher Morrell uh, did well, hitting 26 homers. And limited time, Justin Steele kind of ran out of gas late, but certainly did a good job overall on the season. Kyle Hendricks was about average, about where he should be. Drew Smiley and Jameson Tyone were complete disappointments. And the Cubs' bullpen really stepped up when they needed him. This Cubs team, late in the year, just went AWOL. I didn't hear a lot of criticism, and even from myself, I wasn't overly critical because I really assumed at the back of my head they were always going to make the playoffs. And... At that point, you make the playoffs, you're this young ragtag group who's 5, 10 games over 500. Who cares, right? You get in, whatever happens, happens. You weren't expected to be there, but you're there. Great. But something changed for the Cubs maybe midseason. Beginning of the year, nobody expected this. But midseason, people said, okay, they're a playoff team now. Didn't expect it out of the gate, but they're outperforming expectations. They are a playoff team. We're going to classify them as a playoff team. Now they didn't make it. They collapsed down the stretch. They lost games to the Diamondbacks. They lost games to the freaking Rockies. 
and now they're on the outside looking in, and they're sitting at home in October. And I saw a couple of comments here on Twitter past couple of weeks trying to blame or, or put blame on people. And for some reason, there were so many people defending the Cubs' $150-plus million investment, Dansby Swanson. Now, I think Dansby Swanson's a great defender, and he's certainly an above-average power hitter. But I can't ignore the fact that the Cubs paid him, what, $30 million this year, and he hit 244 Now, you're going to say, um, well, who cares? Banning average doesn't matter anymore. Some people said on Twitter, which I thought was the dumbest argument I've ever heard, well, you can't expect him to be the leader of your team. He's just a shortstop. He's just a middle infielder. Hey, moron. The Cubs paid $150-plus million for him. I don't care if he's the shortstop. I don't care if he's the DH. I don't care if he's the catcher, the pitcher. I don't care where he plays on the field. He's your leader. He is the highest-paid player, and you committed seven years and $150-plus million to him. Him hitting 244 is not the answer. Sorry. Not much you could defend there. He could defend his early season, first half of the season, certainly lived up to his contract. Last half, did it. And unfortunately for him, the last half really mattered for the Cubs because they collapsed. And that's something that people don't want to admit or see. In half down the stretch, also ended at 248 and really struggled down the, you know, near the end. I mean, he played gold glove defense and overall 248 for half with the 360 on base is not out of the ordinary. But the latter half of the season, he struggled. Justin Steele had a great year overall. He struggled. This Cubs team, for whatever reason, ran out of gas near the end. And unfortunately, it cost them a playoff appearance. And they were losing games to teams that they really shouldn't have been losing to. And I would argue if they faced them midseason, they would win. Matt Mervis was a complete and utter bust. I know he's hitting well down in AAA, but maybe he's only going to be a AAA hitter. Heimer Candelario ended up going from 521 to 234 in a Cubs uniform, right back to normal. And the Cubs gave up some prospects for him. Patrick Wisdom hit about 205 in limited time. Pete Crow Armstrong, even off uh, top prospect, AAA, had a zero batting average. <laughs> now, 19 at bats only, but you couldn't get one hit in 19 at bats? Come on. And don't give me the, oh, you didn't play, whatever. The fact is, we're being, we're being real about this team. We're, we're judging this team according to merit. And I played baseball. I know how hard it is to hit a baseball. Believe me, I, I, I understand. But if you're a top prospect, if you're being constantly touted, by me included, I like Pete Crow Armstrong, but you go zero in 19 at-bats in your September call-up, the team brings you up to try and inflict some life into this team as they go down the postseason stretch, and you play like that? Yeah, you're going to be criticized for it. Sorry. You, you are. You can't deny it. This comes team collapsed unbelievably. And although there were many bright spots, certainly, unfortunately for a lot of Cubs fans, you're left with a bad taste in your mouth seeing how everything ended. For a season in review overall, as I evaluate what they did, I'll probably give them a B- on my report card. B-. 
they certainly outplayed their expectations. At the end of the day, if, you know, you told me beginning of the year that they go 83 and 79, I'd say that's a huge success. And, and you gave me no context. You didn't say they collapse. Or, if you just said the Cubs are going to win 83 games this year, I'd say that's a huge success for the Cubs. So on paper, they were great. They really were. Unfortunately, the way it ended, it really hurt them. That's why the B-minus is the grade that I give them. A-plus for the first half of the season. Even A-plus up through August, I'd say. A-plus. September killed them. 11-17. and 17, Collapsed down the stretch. Lost their momentum. Lost their gas. Guys were making $30 million all of a sudden don't know how to hit anymore. And then they lay an egg. They pull out a wild card contention. And teams like the frickin' Marlins and Diamondbacks are above them. I'm happy to see the Marlins make it in, but, I mean, who do they even have? They're in the playoffs. The Diamondbacks, you can make the argument, a couple of good starting pitchers, Corbin Carroll, etc. But the Marlins? Really? Should have worked out that way. By the way, the Cubs' Pythagorean win-loss, which takes into account the run differential, was 90-72, and 72, meaning... They should have gone 90 and 72. They went 83 and 79. So that also goes back to manager, managerial stuff. David Ross, who really should not be managing this team anymore. There were way too many times this year in which everybody questioned his decisions. Everybody wondered, what the hell are you doing? And they lost seven games because of him and his managerial tactics, in addition to the Cubs players not performing when needed. The Cubs had the highest run differential of any team who didn't make the playoffs. They had a higher differential than the teams that did make the playoffs, especially in the wild card. They had a better differential than Arizona, better one than uh, Miami, for a fact. And they're out, and those teams are in. This season was not expected to be much. That's why they get the B-. minus. But I feel like we're left with wanting more, as I think we should be. This team was in the playoffs. They were a shoe-in from June till even mid to late September. And at the end of the day, the wheels fell off and they missed out. I would hope come next year the Cubs have enough reinforcements to be better. Next year, now that we've seen what they've done this year, it's expected that they should be a playoff team. And I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. And I think we should all be expecting that. Next year, minimum 86, 87 wins, minimum wild card spot, no matter what. What do they need to do that? What, what do they need to get to that successful point? Well, they need starting pitching. Jamison Tyone, the Cubs paid him, what, $13 million per year, maybe even more, 14 or 15, and he put up a 484 ERA. Talk about a bust of a signing. Drew Smiley, Cubs paid him some money, had a five-flat ERA, went 11 and 11, and he didn't even start every game. The Cubs relegated him to the bullpen. He still lost games. They don't have enough depth behind Justin Steele to put out their five-man starting rotation to actually win games based on starting pitching, which is going to be a problem. The Cubs this offseason need to prioritize starting pitching. I'm actually fairly okay with their team in the field. I mean, Dadsby Swanson collapsed down the stretch, and you're not going to replace him, unfortunately. So, he, I mean, he's going to be there, whether you like it or not. Cody Ballinger is probably going to go, and I don't really want the Cubs necessarily paying him. I really don't. I think he's going to be way too overpriced, and he also cooled off in the second half of the season. So you may need a new center fielder. You're going to need a big-time bat in that lineup. There were rumors that 
Pete Alonzo may want to come to the Cubs. I say if that's true, sign me up. Alonzo, uh, Mets player, slugger. It, it was second, actually, in the National League this year in home runs. And he's put up consistent 40-plus home run seasons even this past season. I would love for the Cubs to, to bring in Pete Alonso. That'd be a huge addition to their lineup, and that would be much needed. But they have to think about other spots on their team. You know, Miguel Amaya got some time catching. He only hit 214. Jan Gomes is not going to be around forever. First base was kind of a revolving door during the beginning of the season with Mancini and Hosmer. Got short up later. Third base, too, Nick Madrigal, when healthy, played okay, but his OPS Plus was actually the worst amongst most players on this team at 79. So the Cubs essentially need some batting health. They need a couple of high-powered players. They need somebody who could hit, hit for average, maybe two power hitters, plus three starting pitchers, in addition to Justin Steele. Now, Pedricks comes back and pitches how he did. He could be a good four or five, but they need a two and a three ASAP. I don't know what the status of PCW is going to be, or, or sorry, PCA is going to be, Tico Armstrong, nor do I understand or, or, or hope for Matt Mervis to be anything. This guy is 25 years old hitting 167 as a rookie. You're a 25-year-old rookie hitting 167. Sorry, you're in big trouble. And I was a huge fan of Mervis. I thought he was going to be the next big thing. I was actually wondering why he didn't get called up last year. Now I know why. And this year, he continued to mash in AAA. He did, actually. His numbers were great when he went back down. But that doesn't really prove anything. I mean, last year, he had 36 homers at 100-plus RBIs in the minors. This year, he hit 167. Goes back down to AAA and crushes it. I don't know what to expect. I think he'll be in the Major League roster come opening day next year. But I would not put any expectations on him. I would go out and see if you could find somebody to play first base slash DH. Maybe split time with Mervis. Or find somebody to start over him because clearly he hasn't proven enough to stay on the major league roster. So at the end of the day, there were a lot of positives for this Cubs team, and they deservedly get a B minus on their report card. I'm genuinely overall happy, quote unquote, or at least content with how they played. I just wish they could have done better. And I think they should have done better. And next year, we should expect a lot more. Playoffs minimum with this team. And guys who kind of ran out of gas near the end desperately have to step it up this year, or next year if this Cubs team wants a chance to go far and make an impact. So, B-minus, Chicago Cubs. Congrats on an okay 2023 season. Should have been great, but kind of lost its fire, lost its smoke near the end. We'll be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago.